0: Hello, my name is Connor, and I'm Jason, and you are listening to the Amazed and Perplexed Podcast. So we're already on to episode 24, which is just absolutely crazy. And as we go forward, we just want to continue to keep inviting you into the conversation Uh, and you know just we want to make sure we want to be overly clear that you are welcome your opinion is valid your your perspective is important not just to us but to God and one of the ways that we honor that idea is just by continually reaching out and saying hey if you have a thought if you have a question please tell us about it and so if that happens with today's episode if something that we say say sparks a question or a thought in your mind i would encourage you the second you finish it to reach out to us. And you can do that through a variety of different ways. You can email us at amazedandperplexed at gmail.com. You can go to our website, amazedandperplexed.com, or go to our Facebook site, which is just type amazedandperplexed, and and you'll find us. We really, really, genuinely want to hear from you and your thoughts and your perspectives. One of my greatest joys uh, over these last five
1: years is I've worked with a group of mostly ladies who are in their 70s and 80s, And we process scripture in a similar way that we do in Amazed and Perplexed. And most of these ladies would say they rarely weighed in, especially with men around, about what they thought about scripture. And it has been such a rich experience for me to hear their perspective Um, And I know that they felt a lot of concern because I was the, quote, teacher, Mm -hmm. unquote, and they didn't want to get it wrong at first. But after being part of that group for several years, I'm just—I learned something every time. And and this is the key. If you're part of the kingdom, you have something to share that's different. But because you're thinking it, you feel like, well, if I'm thinking it, everybody's thinking it. And especially if you've been in a church setting where you've offered an opinion and you were given a strong response and strong negative response— I've talked to too many people that have been in there, in that situation, and said, I have nothing to offer, and I, we're just wanting this to be a resounding pushback on that thought that you have something to offer. If you're in Christ, you have something to offer, and so we want to free you up that there are no bad comments or, or questions, that kind of thing. If, if it's crossing your mind, if you're seeking God,
0: man, we want to know it because of our own learning and our own journey. I think that transitions really well into what we're talking about today, which is the topic of judgment. So, Jason.
1: Yeah, so we're we're in the text of Matthew 7. I'll read 1 through 6. It says, "Uh, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces.
0: So when you hear that, Connor, what amazes you about that? So this is coming on the heels of um, just a lot of heavy teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, there's a lot of things that require decisive thought and proper judgment on how to live. What I love so much about Jesus is if we we, we read one thing that he says, or if we read one perspective, one chapter, then it's so easy to grab onto that and go, okay, well, here's how I need to act. And I think somebody could read the Sermon on the Mount and go, there are these all these new rules, all these lists of things that I need to accomplish and do. It'd be so easy to go, okay, now I'm going to become a a new type of Pharisee. I'm going to become a Pharisee with a different agenda, with a different way of doing things. I have these ideas that I have to get done and I have to do them. And people who aren't doing them, people who aren't living the way that I think they have to live, they are other than. They're separate. They're on the other side. So the Jesus, the, the, the Jewish people, the the Pharisees would have seen, the Pharisees, we're on the right side of things. We're, like, we're on the right line, right? And we're, we're on the side with God. And then the lower class, the sinner, they're on the other side. And so how do I bring them along onto my side of things? How do I get them to where I'm at? And Jesus, I think he sees how easy it is for church people to do this sort of thing. And so this is a amazing, amazing reminder to me that when... I see something in somebody else or when I see something, a sin that somebody's committing or some way that somebody is hurting him. It is not me going to them and saying, listen, my pal, Jesus and I, we have this perspective. How about you come join Jesus and I, it's me going to somebody and saying, Hey, I have trouble too. I have a speck or I have a beam in my eye and and I see that you do too. Let's both go together to Jesus. And that's just, it might seem subtle. It might seem like it's not that meaningful, but that perspective shift is, I mean, it, it means everything.
1: So I take that in, and it, and it does. I was going a little bit different direction, but but it's similar in thought. This is groundbreaking teaching, and and what's interesting is often we use this as the way this comes up a lot in culture, even Christian culture is, hey, don't judge me. This is not about you will never be judged. We always put this, uh, I always hear this put on, hey, it says that verse, and so that applies to you. You don't judge me. That's not what this verse is saying at all. It's talking to to me always, whoever the me is. So when you're hearing this, this isn't a, a way to push back on the people that judge you. This is a message for you. It's for them too, but it, the message God's given to you, that's them, because I always have the plank, and from our perspective, you always have the speck and and i think i think this dynamic it's exactly what you're saying and and it's it's amazing to me it still applies in the same way even though the culture has shifted so significantly everything they did was based on judgment we have all these rules from the old covenant the old law and we're, we're constantly trying to decide what's best and what's, you know, what's what's good, what's bad. And the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders were the arbiters of this, saying, oh, you know, we always go to the Sabbath. You can't carry this much, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. And this is a—it's built on judgment, self-judgment. I mean, honestly, think about this. If you have to track your sin— and then offer the right kind of sacrifice for it. You're constantly, when you think about your relationship with God, you're constantly thinking about judgment. Oh, did I do that right? Did I do? And for the human condition, if I'm judging myself, I tend to judge everybody else, you know, in some way. And so this, you're exactly right. If you take chapters five and six of the Sermon on the Mount as the new old covenant, here's all the things. And Jesus' point isn't, I want to give you a new law. He's saying, do you see how much you need a savior? Because even if you're doing the right thing, so many times we're thinking the wrong thing. We're ex- mm-hmm. we're experiencing in our heart the wrong thing. And he's like, you can't save yourself. And that's why I think this is so pivotal. And I don't even know if I've seen it this way until this morning as we're talking, is the dynamic of, that. that's amazing. This is groundbreaking work because as soon as I learn a truth, I start judging myself by that truth. And worse, I start judging you by my discovery oh, yeah. of that
0: truth. How often have you been in a situation where you learn something like, Like just the other day, you heard a sermon, you heard a lesson, you read the scripture in a whole new way, and you've lived 25, 30, 40, 50 years without this knowledge. And then you turn back around, like you have this amazing revelation, you're thankful to God. Oh my gosh, God, you showed me this. Like how... it's so crazy. I haven't seen this before. It's so amazing. And then you somehow next week, somebody goes against what you saw there or that revelation. And you go, what fools, what, what an idiot. How do they, how do they not see it? And I I see that so much in myself. And I actually had, had somebody tell me this one time and it was, it was really helpful because as young people, as, as a young person in the church, it's kind of your job to be like, uh, have discontentment with how things are going (laughs) and, and, and be like, how do people not see this? And how do people not understand this? How do people not get it? And I had somebody tell me, I was like, well, it's it's okay to feel discontentment. It's okay to to ask questions. But if you've had experiences that have brought you to a specific place in time, and those people haven't experienced them, like is it okay for you to then judge them for not coming to the same conclusions that you came to because you lived a very specific set of circumstances? And I, I was very convicted by that, and I'm continually convicted by it. And so I, I think the question that kind of comes to my mind is, for for some people, I think especially, I think some believers, and I think some non believers. There's going to become okay. Well, what does this actually look like practically? Like, what effect does this have? And so you said you, you said that the perspective of this is is when I am in relationship with somebody, I am always the person with a plank, and they're always a the person with the spec. How does that change your life? How does that change your relationships? Versus if you view yourself as the person with the spec and they have the plank, how does that change your life? Change your world? And if you have a specific example, that's fine sure. too. So. Our, our tendency is to overblow
1: the desperation of our sin or to completely underappreciate it, you know? Either I'm the worst person on the face of the earth, it's never going to get better, or look how better I am than other people, is, is how it comes out of me. So when I'm having an interaction and I'm hurt by someone, my feelings are hurt, I feel judged by them, whatever that is, my tendency is to is to notice my intent, but look how good I am. You know what I mean, and then judge them by the impact. Yeah, look, look what they did, and not considering, well, they might have the same intent as I do. You know, and so when I internalize this, I'm trying to think of a, a good solid example. Let me use a dumb example, but it, I think it speaks. I show up for jury duty uh, years ago, and I was I was late by two minutes, but when I walked in, you have a bunch of uncomfortable people, and there's like 50 people in this room, and I found my seat, and I felt really like a loser, and all these other people are here on time, three minutes later, someone else shows up, and I remember thinking, what a slacker, (laughs) and I'm telling you, I I was, there was no dissonance in my mind, like there was no sense of contradiction initially, I'm just looking at them and saying, man, we're all on time, Yeah, and all of a sudden, it hits me, I was late too, you know, and so and so as I do this, like like there's a lot of times when I have a discovery, my first intention is if I had this discovery and I've got life here and I, you know, this this makes things better for me. I want you to have it. Yeah. But I discount my how much work it took for me to get there. And I expect you just to vicariously take on what I've gained, you know, and I'm like, but I couldn't have got here without the struggle, you know. Mm-hmm. So so the thought of the plank and, and, and of course, the key here is not. Not to say, hey, I've got a plank, so I have nothing to say. The key here is to recognize you have a plank and remove it. And that's what we need to, to like, uh, not explain, but walk through, is to me, removing the plank is is owning, man, I have the same struggles. I mean, it might be different sins, but I have the same dynamics in my life. I need to humble myself. I need to ask forgiveness from God. I need to, you know, everything. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Yes. Yes. And then to come alongside, exactly as you said, not to be the one in correcting point, because I'm not your judge, mm-hmm.
0: you know, but you and I can look to the judge. Well, that's what makes Jesus so incredible, right? If anybody, like Jesus does not have a speck or a plank in his eye, and so if anybody has the right to do it, it's, it's Jesus. And yet the fact that that Jesus is this person that could have, by all rights, judged and, and been um, acted with condemnation. Yeah, he didn't. So when Jesus dealt with the prostitute or the sinner or the tax collector, these are people with lots of sawdust in their eye, with lots of issues, loves them with an open hand and with grace and pushes them into a fuller way of living, into a truer way of living. In fact, the only people that Jesus comes down with like complete and utter condemnation for how they act and how they live for the sawdust in their eyes are the uptight religious people, the self-righteous religious people. And, man, that should say something about churches, man. When we come down upon people, when we say that this is, this is the truth and, and we will not move from this, you have to be completely and utterly sure and humble in that because when Jesus comes down upon people for, uh, for their planks, for their specs, it's when religious people are self-righteous and condemning of other people with specs in their eye.
1: That's, that's absolutely true. And what's interesting, even with that, even when he, you think of the strongest words he gave to the Pharisees, ultimately what he's saying is, do you see your plank? Do you see your plank? That, that's what he's asking. He's not just saying, I'm mad, and now I'm unloading. He, he was just he was using different pictures that, that says, this is what your plank looks like, and, and do you see it? And, and then they had a choice to step back, breathe, and say, is this true? And, and see, that's the key. So when we're looking for how do we do this, it is that can you step back, can I step back, breathe, and then talk to God about it? And this is the key, is a lot of times we think to ourselves, wait, I know the truth. I know the verse. I know the scripture. I know the story. And so so this shouldn't happen. And, and so we don't take any time to step back, take a breath, and say, God, what do you want? What might be my plank here? Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying this because, man, I master. I'm saying, man, I hate that I continue to struggle with this. That when you hurt my feelings, my first thing is, I've got a scripture yeah. that says how bad you hurt my feelings and you shouldn't have. Instead of first stopping and saying, okay, God, this is how I'm feeling and own that. Because a lot of times we'll say, instead of saying that hurt my feelings, we'll just say that person's bad. Yeah. You know? And not just that, I think that person is bad, but Jesus thinks they're bad. Exactly. Because I know this verse and I know the right and this kind of thing. Instead of stepping back and saying, wait a minute, we know our of the devil, so it's not that person. And then to say, okay, God, what might I be bringing to the table that I don't even notice?
0: And I think there's a phenomenon that's happened to me often is so I see something, I see something in you, Jason. I'm like, I really need to talk to Jason about this, or I, I, Man, I really need to talk to this person or, or address it or bring it up. And I, and I think about this first and I go, okay, well, what, what's the plank here? And I submit these things. I, I go with humbleness. Okay, I need Jesus just as so much as they are the motivations maybe I've assigned to them are not fair. Maybe I need to come at this from a holding perspective and I go about the process of removing a plank from my eye. And then when I come back and I look at you, sometimes even I'm like, oh wait, that wasn't a speck. That was my own plank in my own eye thinking that it was there was some sort of speck in your eye. And I think this is why this is such a big thing because if I have planks in my eyes, if I have specks in my eye or they have speck in their eye, If I'm going to perform, if I'm going to help them, come alongside them, perform, you know, basically eye surgery, I have to be crystal clear in what I'm seeing. And I have to be I have to be sure that I'm not projecting my own flaws, my own failings onto them.
1: Yeah. So if we're talking about how do we walk through this in real time, which I think we're we're touching on the word confront, uh, the word con means like with and front means front <laughs> you know what I mean it, it's literally with face to face coming together we've attached that a lot of negativity mm-hmm. because probably in all of our lives if somebody confronts us they also add a lot of negativity a lot of judgment a lot of assumptions and so but but this this framing Jesus is giving it's constructive he does not say notice something and then pretend like it doesn't exist mm-hmm. he's saying when you notice it take some time to humble yourself, then come alongside. When he talks about helping remove the speck, if you think about removing something from somebody else's eye physically, I mean, how cruel would it be if you start poking? <laughs> you know, what I mean, mm-hmm. you are super gentle. Let, let's assume you care about the person. You know, <laughs> if this is a child you love, let's frame it that way, and they have something in their eye and they're really hurting, you are not jabbing their eye. You mm-hmm. are gently opening their eye. You're
0: gently, you're waiting for their. Hey, do you, can yes. we talk about this? Their consent. And if my wife, if I have something in my eye and I want my wife to get it out, if she has her glasses all messed up and smudgy and foggy, I'm going to ask, like, I, I think rightfully I'm going to go ask her to, to take care of that before, before she helps me. And I think this gets to what is, our, what is our goal, right? What is our, when we confront somebody, when we talk to them about something that we see in their life, our goal is not to make ourselves feel better about their situation, is to help them become the person that Jesus wants them to be. And if we can get to that perspective, that's just so much more, it's so much more life-giving. That's right. And you, you just got to keep it in perspective of eternity.
1: You know, this kind of thing. What is it I want most for this person? Mm-hmm. For them to stop bothering me or for them to act the way I want them to act? Do I or, want them to be like me? Or be like me and value everything I value? And honestly, I want to be clear. I do. Connor, yes. I want you to like what I want. I want you to I want you to think like me. I want everyone to think like me until I realize
0: stuff I think is wrong. Well, how do I learn that? By interacting with people that view it differently. Here's an interesting exercise. If you could project in your mind five years ago and go back and think, okay, what did I think about what were the thoughts that I had about my relationships, my family? What were the thoughts, the things that I believe politically or spiritually? And then come to the perspective of now and, and what things have you changed? What perspectives politically, spiritually, family-wise have you changed? And then go, if you had been given the wish or given, I think, the ultimate hell of uh, five years ago, everybody shifting and agreeing with completely what you said would you be happy five years like the, the the current version of yourself and i think the answer is no because i think about the things that i believed or the things that i held so strongly to five years ago and that i've completely like moved on from or disagree with now or my positions have evolved if the world held to my beliefs five years ago i it would it would be pandemonium it would be terrible
1: that, that is an excellent exercise I think anything we can do to offer perspective, because that's ultimately what Jesus is giving here is saying, do you see this correctly? And that's the thing. We always have to do this check down in our own selves. Is this about Jesus or is it about me? And if it's about you, that doesn't make it wrong. That doesn't mean you just sweep it under the rug. Talk to God about it. This is the key. I think we've said that before in this podcast. If Adam and Eve had stopped for a moment and said, Snake, you make a really good point here. God, what do you think about this point? We'd have a totally different story. Matter of fact, every sin, if David was there and he sees Bathsheba and he says, God, I'm seeing this. I have all the power in the world. I can do whatever I want. What do you think about this? We have a brand new story. And this is the thing. I can have a brand new story. Even if I've screwed this up a thousand times, I can have a brand new story now by stopping breathing, just taking a moment and saying, Jesus, what do you think about this? God, what do you think about this? And let him bring the fruit of the spirit into us. So, Jason, what perplexes you about this passage? What perplexes me and why we included verse 6 is, is Jesus just goes through, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge, and here's how we do it. And then he gets to 6 and says, but you need to make some judgment because you're going to have to assess if a person is a dog or a pig mm-hmm. and don't give them uh, sacred things. And so trying to, and I, I can get there, but still it's like mental gymnastics, trying to figure out why he included this right after that is a perplexing dynamic to me.
0: I think one of the things that we, we always struggle with, right, is when we experience truth or we experience life in a particular way, there's an assumption that the way I experience life or the way I experience truth has to be the way that other people experience life and truth and so i'm you know if i if i was brought to life by a specific event or a specific sort of concept or idea then people are just going to uniformly agree with me you, people are uniformly going to be blessed in the same exact way and i, I think this i think this is kind of getting a little bit what the past what this little weird verse is about so what i hear you saying
1: is that when you experience something, so what we're calling this is like an epiphany, a new realization, something that brings me to life. That's sacred. Mm-hmm. This is good. I'm, I'm just processing this, you know, thinking about this out loud. So basically what you're saying is when I experience, you know, this, oh, wow, this discovery, I didn't make that connection. So that's sacred. I can't turn around and expect you, and this goes ironically back to what we are talking about before, but I can't turn around and expect you to experience in the same way. And so if I'm trying to put that onto you, I'm, I'm interested about that word give, in the, at least in the NIV, do not give dogs what is sacred, do not throw your pearls to pigs. Is this a very aggressive, does this suggest an assertive, you you must take this, you must experience what I'm experiencing, you know? And I think that, that's where, that, that's what makes this fit with do not judge, you know? So as you assess, mm-hmm. wow, that I've never really thought about this before. So you have a point of view I don't appreciate or I think is even sinful. So I step back, I breathe, I, I humble myself, I take out the plank. I'm asking Jesus, what is be- what is this? First of all, is this just me or is this me loving Connor and wanting the best for Connor? And then I uh, go to you. I have to also be aware there are perceptions I have that you don't yet have. Hmm. And for me to force those upon you, that actually creates this negativity. You mm-hmm. know, Now, that tear you apart— tear you to pieces I'm I I'm what does that exactly mean but but it's the idea that it's going to lead to very bad like a bad dynamic in our relationship you know and and I want to be clear me having this realization doesn't mean I'm more mature you are simultaneously having other realizations that I'm not yet ready for
0: sure have you ever had the experience where you were this ha- I think this happened a lot when YouTube first came along. You found a video on YouTube or Facebook or whatever, and you just thought it was the funniest thing in the history of humanity. And it was like, it was a, uh, I don't know, let's see what it was. It it was a like it was a America's Home video where like on a backswing, some father got hit in hit in the uh, in the nether regions by like a baseball bat, and it was just the funniest thing in the world. And you went to your friend, and you and like you were like, oh, you have to see this. And you crowd alongside next to them. You hold your phone up to their face, and, like okay i know you think you've experienced funny things before but this is the funniest thing ever and you play the video for them and you're just like staring at them waiting for them to like experience the same joy that you experience and then they go oh yeah that that was kind of funny (laughs) that that, that was humorous or even maybe they know you well enough to go to fake laugh and there's this moment of like you imbecile how do you not see how do you not know how do you have you not like how do you not experience it the exact same way and i think we do the same sort of thing spiritually right and I think we've seen these in in the split of different churches and we go, well, how can you not be blessed by the same sort of preaching that, that, that blesses me? How? Mm -hmm. And I think we even go even a step further into this verse that you're talking about here is we go, well, if you don't appreciate this style of worship, you don't appreciate this way of preaching, then you're going to be torn away. You're going to be ripped up and you're going to be pulled away from Jesus. And even if we don't like voice it as a sin issue, we go for me, the gospel, the truth, has been laid before me in this particular. Way. I'm not talking about the the gospel truth, but the way the gospel is presented has been laid before me in this specific way. And so, if you reject that way, if you don't accept that sort of way, then that's then you're rejecting the gospel in of itself. And man, this is so. And again, I, I just want to make sure that we make that I make myself clear when I say these things. I I see I see. Well, maybe I. Can, this is always a question I've had. If you have a plank in your eye, you can't see, you know? You can't you can't mm-hmm. see if you have a plank in your eye. So I don't, I don't even know if I can—I cannot see the full depth of my failing in this. And so I just want to be clear that I'm attempting to not come from any place of judgment. Right. You know what this reminds me of, what you just said,
1: is in, in Philippians 3, verse 15, I love this passage, though it took me a long time to really own what it says all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And he's talking about, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, you know. So this is fundamental gospel stuff. Mm-hmm. And he says, and if on some point you think differently, and this is Paul writing. In other words, a reader, if you think differently than Paul does, what's he going to say next? You know what I mean? Then stop it. You know, then you're wrong. But he goes, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. And mm-hmm. I think that has real resonance here is... If I see you don't get it. so back to the, the YouTube video, my wife and I do this all the time where I will think it's funny, but she'll think it's hilarious. And it's always the opposite. Yes. I'll th- Oh, you got to see this. And she's like, yeah, you know, um, I, for the record, I do much more courtesy laughing than she does. So there, I'll just <laughs> say that. But anyway, but what if you're showing this person the video and you're like, you must find this funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, in that situation, we'd be like, "Connor, you're being ridiculous."
0: You know what I mean? No, you must find this funny, or yeah. where's our friendship? Or even like with your wife, you're you're my life partner. You're you're mm-hmm. you're my flesh. Like you have to think this is funny. In fact, my daughter is currently in in my wife's stomach, and I am terrified that she's going to have the exact same sense of humor as my wife. <laughs> I'm terrified because like I want her to like I want to be able to send her funny things and show her funny things and have her have the exact same response that I want. We've had converse, Hannah and I have had conversations about this because. <laughs> There's some things that we like have some communal laughter over, but we have wildly different, you know, wildly different personalities and uh, persuasions in this sort of thing. And I I do think that it would be so easy to go, well, if I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person, if I'm going to really live life, I'm going to raise a child with them, then they have to think this the same way about this thing that I think about it. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's the
1: key is it's hard. It's something one of our elders says, Daryl Johnson, he says a lot. He's like, we have to keep discerning what is the what and what is the how. And this is fundamental. We're saying the what is, you know, the gospel and that stays steady, but the how has a million ways to get there. And I think that's the key is when I'm like, here's how I discovered God and here's how I'm seeing God. Now it's fine to share that revelation. There's no problem there. It's then requiring you to sense it the same way. And that's not doing what Philippians says, where it's like, that too God will make clear. You live up to what you've attained and let the other person live up to what they've attained. So, so what about you? What's perplexing
0: about this? Sure. So in verse two, it says, "From the in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it'll be measured to you. And so the perplexing thing for me, it's about this passage and it's just about human psychology in general, is when, let's say I do something that, hurts you or wrongs you or let's even let's let's just take let's put in make an example of it. Jason and I are driving along and I I get a text message that I have to be somewhere like immediately. And so I cut Jason off in traffic and I speed ahead. And for me I'm like I feel I feel bad. I cut Jason off in traffic. I'm not obeying the rules but I have to be at the hospital or I have to be you know X, Y, and Z. If Jason doesn't know my story, if Jason doesn't know what's happening for me, doesn't know my motivations, he just sees like a little, you know, Nissan Versa cut him off and he just immediately is going to start making some assumptions about me. And I know this because this is what everybody does, right? Somebody cuts you off in traffic, you're like, oh yeah, there's a comedian that said this. So like, you ever like every time you get cut off in traffic, whoever you see driving, you're like, yep, that's exactly who I thought it would be. <laughs> you know, it, it's so funny because it's so true. We'll see, if like, yep, that I just I knew it was that kind of person. And so the, the perplexing thing for me in 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 this in this example is, I judge so often. I mean, we are always judging and not and not judging like there are so many little small judgments that I make throughout the day so many assumptions that I make about people so many times not only do I just make assumptions or judgments but I make a single judgment about a person and I reduce their entire character their entire being to that judgment and and so for me the, the perplexing thing the perplexing thing is like the fact that I, in in these moments, I can see how depraved I am in this way, how how messed up and how truly in need of a savior I am, and that Jesus would have every right to judge me. He would have every right to come, like to to punish me for that, and yet He doesn't. And it sounds so simple, right? Because I mean, I, I hear these sort of things people so often from people, like, "Oh my gosh, like, did you know that like God's grace is amazing?" I'm like, yeah, dude, that that's that's cool. But when I really am confronted by like oh my gosh like i am a judgmental freak i i i am non-stop judging reducing image bearers into single uh caricatures of a small interaction that i have with them and i just go man like that how 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 does jesus not judge how how, how is his grace so crazy in that way mm-hmm. Man, I just,
1: I, yeah, I completely agree. That is, that is a sad. I feel like I've been working on this for a long time, and I still, I mean the, the fruit of my work is I notice it quicker. (laughs) That's that's really it in Mm -hmm. myself. You know, I notice, oh, I'm judging again. I'm judging again, and this whole discussion hits home because of a experience I've been having, I with with others in in recent weeks about trying to suspend my judgment, trying to understand, then getting upset. And making assessments and judgments and and you know projecting on others and this kind of thing and so this is it's not incidental this shows up in my life <laughs> which is God's timing uh, is that you know yeah I just I really needed these this this time just to frame it and, and sure. that's the thing this is why we want to stay in the Word and this is why with Amaze and Perplexed, we want. Uh, people to have the freedom to just notice, man, this bugs me. I don't know what to do with this, or this is so crazy. I just want to sit and be in awe of it without feeling the compulsion of, well, I'm going to make this doctrine. i got going to make this fit just right, and how do I make, but just be able to sit with that scripture. I've read this passage hundreds of times easily, and yet today it hits me different, and that's the part that this is now I'm I'm eager to study scripture. I'm more and more eager to spend time with God in scripture Because I have the freedom to ask these questions, you know, and when I hear what perplexes you or what amazes you, it spurs on thoughts I never had. And this is that people talk in terms of iron sharpening iron, but I don't think most of us have that as a regular experience. But that's what this is in these type of conversations. And so, yeah, I love all that. And then realizing, man, this is a mirror to me. Ultimately, it's a mirror to me. And God is and this is the thing I always come back to. God is not impatient with me in my slowness of learning. He just wants me to keep open to being taught. That's where I get off track is where I'm like, I'm done. This is just who I am. I'm going to be this way the rest of my life. But when I say I'm open to it, that allows him to keep teaching me. And that's the nature of the relationship
0: he's, he's looking for with us. Thank you for listening to the amazed and perplexed podcast. Jason, and I just want to say thank you for coming alongside, whether you listen to one out of every three or you are, you know, the second it drops or, you're listening on four times speed, so you can uh you can hear our dulcet tones in in a chipmunk uh, pitch which is actually kind of funny if you ever have the chance to hear yourself at like crazy like high pitched beats i would recommend doing it once like we thank you uh we love doing this and the fact that anybody finds it helpful or interesting at all or draws them closer to god is just it's awesome grace peace and love Here's an addendum sort of thing that I might tack onto the end. I think it, I I want to talk about a little bit, and if we if we don't put it in at the end, it's it's like after the music. Um, the fact that Jesus tells a joke here, that Jesus uses um uses a joke to get his point across. Hmm. Uh, I it's it's something that when I was doing doing some reading, it's just it's one. It's funny to see the cultural differences, right? So when Jesus says, you know, you have a you know, notice the plank in your eye, in his mind, that's like in his mind, that's like a punchline to a joke. And and like that would have, that would have brought about laughter in his audience. And I think about,
1: Hmm.
0: yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very, um, I think it's actually like in terms of like biblical scholarship, it's pretty well accepted that, that this was a joke. This was meant to bring about laughter. Mm -hmm. And it says something about Jesus that he wants to engage like all of our senses. He wants to engage all of our perception, uh, all of our ability to perceive in getting us to go deeper and it kind of goes into the talks we've had about the parables right why does jesus speak in metaphors and in parables and this is a metaphor in itself it's that when we laugh when we're engaged both either emotionally or in a comedic sort of way it makes us pause for a second and hopefully draws us a little bit deeper and for somebody like me i just you know sometimes i cringe when the preacher gets up and he starts you know every he doesn't even like teach he just it's a hundred percent jokes but i think this is there's also the other side of things where I've, I've seen people who like, nothing can be funny in this, nothing can be silly in this. And I think Jesus is the reason Jesus is so amazing was that he lived the full human experience and the full human experience is the, cap- is the capability in one moment to weep and to cry over brokenness and in the next moment to laugh because laughter and, and comedy is, is good and it's a way of engaging our brain in a unique and special way.
1: I really appreciate that. I, I had not noticed. I don't think about that as a joke, but I, I get what you're saying. And it's like, I can see him in my mind's eye saying, uh, look, you, do you get this concept? Of imagine a man with a plank. Cause when you think about it visually, how's that even work mm-hmm. to have a plank in your eye? Like, yeah, it, it's almost like, I, I guess I've imagined it and I don't want to be gross, but it's like growing out of your head, you
0: mm-hmm.
1: know? Cause how is it sticking? How's it holding to your face <laughs> if it's not growing out of your head? Mm-hmm. but it's not saying it's growing out of your head it's literally connected to your eyeball
0: yeah it's absurd
1: and yeah it's just so absurd so you're right for people to be giggling and i think of good good speakers i've heard in the past where they will use something that may not be like you know knee-slapping humor but it's it's amusing and then it draws you into the picture yeah i really like that
0: so i no it's fine <laughs> so i think i think the i think the the permanent doctrine takeaway from this is that every time you talk about Jesus you have to make jokes i think that's 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 the thing i'm taking away from this <laughs> uh, i don't know i'm making things up now there it
1: is